welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, I, uh, I want to get to our guest and our topic. So I think I'll just start by telling people to buy our book. Yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, Battleship Pretension presents the 101 best movies of the 2010s. Uh, Hey, look, we've been shipping them out. People have started receiving them, uh, and saying, you know, the, the reviews from, uh, existing fans are positive, uh, which is nice. So, uh, so yeah, now is your chance, uh, at the, at the moment, uh, only in the U S but we are working on, uh, international sooner rather than Soon. later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 1499 plus shipping. Uh, so it comes to 1799, uh, total. And, uh, yeah, you can get your, your copy within, you know, within the week, as soon as you, as soon as you purchase it, just go to battleshipretention.com, click on the, uh, the image on the left-hand side and you can, uh, you can get it from there. Uh, and I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, uh, just before we recorded, I was listening to the new EP by uh, the metal band uh, Cult of Luna. It's called The Raging River, Okay. which if you're from the... St. Louis, Southeastern Illinois, uh, or Southwestern Illinois, uh, area that will immediately make you think of raging rivers, water park. Sure. And now our guest is from Southern California where there's a, there was a raging waters. There was a wild rivers near where I am. Oh, okay. The raging waters is of course near Bill and Ted and San Dimas. That's right. Okay. But here's the thing. So I think raging rivers in, in Illinois, or maybe Southern Missouri. I think it was in Illinois and raging waters in the San Gabriel Valley must be run by the same people because I've come to realize they have the same theme song. Hmm. So the, the, uh, of the, the commercial, the jingle, not theme song, but I'm an idiot. It's not a TV show, the jingle, which went raging rivers. We're cool when it's hot. Um, and I remember saying, I don't know why, but I said that to my wife and she was like, Oh yeah, that's the raging waters jingle but it was raging waters, which is raging rivers is alliterative and it is therefore better. Right. There's a softness, I think to raging rivers, as far as like, if I'm going to go to a theme park, race, something about raging waters sounds like more suffice it to say extreme. It sounds cooler. Maybe that's just uh, me. Okay. But it's still it, the the rage part is in there no matter what it is. Yes, and I like a, maybe I just maybe I'm just a sucker for alliteration. Perhaps uh, you're real Stan Lee over here, but I mean, raging <laughs> raging river seems calmer to me for some reason. No, like, it's still raging. But either way, I, so I also grew up with raging waters. Uh, I I didn't live in Southern California, but uh, I guess I lived in Ventura, so I still I saw the ads, okay. uh, so I knew about raging waters. Um, and, and do you recognize that jingle? We're cool when it's uh, hot, or at least that tagline. I, rem- cool I remember that tagline. Yes. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, I, I gotta say, yes, I appreciate uh, alliteration. Worth watching, cinematic suffering, real redemption. I like alliteration oh, clearly, <laughs> um, but uh, but I think I think the fact that ri- it's rivers, 
And maybe it's, maybe that's the thing is, you know, when you're in the Midwest rivers are what you get rivers and lakes. Um, but when you're on the coast, it's waters, it's, it's all waters, you know? Uh, so I think, I think the limiting guess, but- of rivers is what makes it less dangerous. Oh, is it, okay. Could this be a poll for the Patreon listeners? <laughs> Let me ask you this. What besides waters or rivers, right? When you hear the word raging applied to water, what is usually the next word? Uh, rapids. Rapids. Yeah. They don't have rapids in the ocean. Those are rivers. So what I'm saying is They're rivers are tougher than the ocean <laughs> and therefore cooler. There are a number of countries I think would disagree. That, that rivers are tougher than the ocean? Yes. I mean, uh, I know, oh, I know I who yeah. I know he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Cuomo would probably agree with you. Rivers Cuomo, of course, not, uh, not, not, <laughs> not one of the Cuomo clan. Yeah. Like I immediately when I said that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. There's this other guy that people might not agree with. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway, this all came about because of uh, your ad. The, the new Cult of Luna EP, The Raging River. Uh, it's cool when you're hot. It's starting great in my talk tweaked. Talked by tweakedaudio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one, one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Tyler? Yes. Who's our guest? He's already uh, chimed in. Well, he sure has. It was, it was welcome. I think he brought a lot to the conversation. As long as, as he always does. I think I think that's important. If you don't announce who I am beforehand, I feel like me talking, you know, within this pre-show segment to whatever you want to call it, I think that's allowed. Well, uh, joining us once again from We Live Entertainment and the Out Now podcast, it's Aaron Newworth. Hey. I've never done like an announcer voice before. I don't know what... Uh, you need to stick with that. I really enjoy it. It's okay. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to be I'm gonna be in the mirror going, it's Susan Burke. And just like introducing all our like regular guests. And see which ones sound best. And that's who we start inviting back. Right, yeah. Once again, I'm very happy with how like, like, like seem kept we are and how nicely we seem to be presented for this Zoom three-person exclusive podcast recording. I'm like, you know, well, we're all here. We're all here to have a good time, but also keep it professional. That's right. I put a sweater on. I was just wearing a t-shirt, but I put a sweater on, which I wish I hadn't because uh, it's very warm in here. And uh, yeah, thumbs down. I wish I hadn't. Yeah. I mean, well, Tyler and I have talked about being on the same page and I don't judge people who have like their way of coping with the pandemic and the endless sort of stay at home in this quarantine is to like relax and wear your soft clothes and stuff like that. I don't judge people, but like the way that Tyler and I have contended with it is by like maintaining a sense of normalcy and sanity by, you know, putting on a pair of shoes and a shirt with a collar and, and stuff like that. Oh yeah. We we brought, we talked about this the last time I was on when we thought the pandemic would be, you know, be subsided because of American competence. (laughs) (laughs) We thought it'd be over by now. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Well, 
but uh, in the, but still rivers cuomo was able to release a new album with him this time so we have that going for us yeah have you heard have you listened to it okay human are you on his payroll why do you keep bringing him up <laughs> Have you listened to it, Aaron? I Are have. you sponsored by Rivers Cuomo as a person? <laughs> I just like keeping in mind the continuity for this show, you know, so we can, right. have, you know, a way to go I appreciate back to that in case. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of storylines within podcasts that have no narrative. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm trying to make a, a, a transition here. Speaking of things that are linked, but not linked i can't figure it out uh oh we're gonna talk we're here to talk at aaron's request about what you dubbed anthology films but i think we're gonna get into discussing what is the difference what do we mean when we say anthology what do we mean when we say omnibus what do we mean when we say portmanteau what do we mean and does it count when we say hyperlink movie mm-hmm. i did not personally in, in making my list i did not include the types of movies that tend to get referred to as hyperlink movies. Like I think when we were texting Aaron traffic, I think was your uh, uh, example that hyperlink is a movie that like has a lot of different stories that are connected in some like loosely, but Mm. they're not to me an anthology slash omnibus movie is composed of individual parts that are separate from one another uh and and a, and a, a a traffic or a 21 grams or whatever does not meet for me does not meet that or shortcuts i guess d- mm-hmm. d- didn't doesn't meet the criteria what did you what do you guys think how did you guys uh, define what we're talking about today uh, I definitely thought in terms of a, a movie that is sectioned off. And I mean, in, in a way uh, I tend to think in thinking of like an omnibus film or an anthology film, I think of really just one film that is a collection of a number of, sh- of short films mm-hmm. and they have a common theme uh, that could be genre. It could be the actual theme or, or whatever it is, or it could be exploring Same the same concept. Uh, but within that, these like, not only do these characters are, are these characters not connected, but the, the films that like the world of each film doesn't even have to, uh, be similar to the other ones. Like you could have like one film be magical realism and the other be, you know, uh, a gritty, uh, a gritty realistic, you know, verite style film. Um, so yeah, it's, I, that's how I, that's how I see it as really just a collection of short films that are absolutely connected and are absolutely, uh, of, of one piece, but there's tremendous different, there can be tremendous difference between them. Aaron, what was your thinking? I think we're all on the same page here. I, I think, we, you know, if anything, it just sounds like we might be overthinking it to make sure that everyone's clear sure. on, on what we're talking about. Because I do think I mean, it, when it comes down to it, pretension, we overthink things. Sure. I, I do think when it comes down to it, it's pretty clear what an anthology film is versus something like, a, yeah, like a Pulp Fiction or like a, right. a, a Moros Peros or what have you. Um, Intermission. 
the Irish movie that everyone yes. forgot from 2003, I with, think. Uh, with Cole Meany and Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I like that movie. And, I, like uh, I, like, I like certain of these. Is Killian Murphy in that one, too? Uh, uh, Shirley Henderson's in it. Shirley Henderson's. I remember that one because, I, yeah, we don't talk about intermission. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I, I, as far as, yeah, anthology films, whatever connecting themes or maybe even like a linking character given a wraparound story or something like that that contains every story. There's still a kind of, there's like distinct storylines that are you know uh, short films even that are kind of contained within one film um yeah is there is there a difference between anthology and omnibus i i would say in my head and this is just me i tend to think of an omnibus movie as a collection of short films by different directors in an anthology as a collection of films by the same director. It's so like mm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs is an, is, is an, is an anthology, but like, uh, uh, visions of eight or whatever is, uh, an omnibus, but that's just, I don't know if that has any real application application. I just sort of realized in making my list that subconsciously that's how I think of those words in my head. What's well, a portmanteau to you? And that's the, that's the most fun to say, obviously. Yes. So a portmanteau, the, the, the example, the first example I, I um, can think of when I think of a portmanteau film is uh, a British horror film from the early seventies, I think called the house that dripped blood, which is mm-hmm. a series of short horror stories. And we're, I think we're going to be talking about horror a lot today. Um, a series of short horror stories that not only do they all take place in the same house, but there is a sort of, l- linking story where there's like a guy showing a potential new buyer the house and then from that we fade we use that to sort of fade in and out of each of the individual stories so i think that so that really okay so there's an overall continuity that wraps around each of the yeah and not just like like there are certain things where like oh these are all you know based on stories by the same author or whatever but that's to me a portmanteau actually has filmed content that that links the other pieces if that makes sense yeah no, but again, th- th- these these things aren't like i i set in stone this is just I, how I, I feel think of the words no yeah i i hear what you're saying i feel like the words are practically homonyms i mean they're <laughs> really um <laughs> Or not hominids, sorry, synonyms, hominyms, it sounds like whatever. Um, but right, right. I knew what you I, 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 it's, it's, it's similar to, yeah, thank you. It's similar to like, I don't know, like comics and graphic novels where there's no real difference between them. It just makes you sound more mature by saying graphic novel. I, I, I don't think there's necessarily a differentiation between anthology, omnibus, and portmanteau, but maybe, maybe there is some strict definition that I don't know of, but I feel like it just all kind of. Well, if there isn't, I say, I think we, I think I just established it from here on out. I've established the difference between anthology and omnibus and all must well, let's, let's follow my lead. I will, I will what second. What department that. would that go to? <laughs> Is there a department of grammar? <laughs> Who would that fall under? Postmaster general? <laughs> uh, Homeland security, oddly enough, they cover a lot of ground. <laughs> so let's, so I, but weirdly this, as I understand from texting with you about the, this idea, the, the germ of this idea was a type of film that we haven't even talked about yet, which you were talking about small acts, which is not one collection of short stories. It's a collection of standalone 
films, some of them feature length, some of them only only an hour. The only other example off the top of my head I could think of was the Decalogue, which is 10 hour long films all by the same director. But um, uh, do, do we have a different name for those? Why am I like so hung up on uh, my brain doesn't work? The, there's a word for naming things. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, um, uh, where do those fit in? I guess is what I'm saying. Do we still have? Do we still have Aaron? I still I'm see here. Aaron. I'm okay, here. good, no, good. Okay. Sorry, it looked it looked a little frozen there. No, I was I was going all slow for a second. It's all good. Okay, oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Decalogue. I was also thinking of the Three Colors trilogy, which admittedly, like right. any one of those movies could work on its own as well. And I'm sure it's the same with Small X. There probably is a name for it, and I can't think of what it what it is or what it would be that could cover all of that. I guess a, a collection. Sure. Well, it's it, it, that, that's what it typically. I mean here's the with the small axe thing and i don't want to get into a like what's a film conversation because that's dumb um uh, but we already did that I, episode I, and we <laughs> we got it yeah thank you I, security I has think, been I, fully updated they know what, <laughs> what a film is now i think i think the only thing that i i, I recall that episode actually um i do think the the only challenge for small acts compared to other anthology films is the fact that they're rather long by comparison to other anthology movies where things are, you know, they can be 30 minutes or 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever. I feel like if you put all these movies in one box or like one sitting, which is what Steve McQueen, that's what he describes it. I did describe it as one film. I feel like it just happens to be five hours instead of two hours. Uh, right. Not to, not dissimilar from like OJ made in America. Like that's one whole documentary. It's eight hours. Yes. People typically don't sit down to watch something for eight hours in a row and so it's split up for tv but it is essentially one long documentary i feel like this is one long anthology movie uh, I, that's kind of looking at it as, uh, as as far as that goes so i, I do think it i think a film a movie a anthology film is the way you would call small acts it's just yes it's going just off the standard one. as far yeah. as yeah it's just a long one <laughs> and so and uh, rightfully yeah amazon's not going to be like let's put out a five-hour thing and just hope people strip it like i get why you would split that up and understandably yes it causes i guess confusion as far as awards qualifications or what have you but from from everything i've read about what how steve mcqueen describes it he says it's a film like that's that's what i made um you probably mentioned something that's that's interesting to me at least, which is um, generally in these types of films, each entry is of roughly the same length. Whereas with Small Axe, you've got Mangrove is like two hours and ten minutes, and then like Education is like an hour. Uh, you've got a big differentiation. It reminds me of the 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 Stephen King short story collection. Uh, is it called Skeleton Crew? That starts with the mist which is practically a novella and then has a bunch of short stories after that um the only one other one i could think of that has entries of wildly varying lengths is um uh, a david favorite from a couple of years ago the argentinian film la flor oh. which has like you know one uh 
the the second the third entry i think is like six hours long whereas the last one is only like is under half an hour you mentioned argentinian films i was just gonna say i watched uh, wild tales this week which is on my list I mean, that's a, the each one is progress is is longer than the last the previous one oh uh, now it's still a two-hour movie but like the first one's maybe five minutes the second one's like 10 minutes the third one and like it keeps going there's six stories total and they keep getting progressively longer but i i and i mean yeah they're for the most part yeah there generally is like more of a balance in yeah. time for the shorts sometimes it's you know can vary somewhat but yeah i, I know what you're saying as far as yeah there's <laughs> one that's a, something that's much longer than the yeah. others oh uh tyler can you hear me yes Okay, so we're still here. Oh, Aaron's back. Okay. Right? Aaron? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, you're freezing a lot, unfortunately. Hopefully. Uh, Want want to try bouncing for a second and come back? um, uh, Maybe. Yeah, you think? Let me me try. Let me see what happens. Okay. Okay. Tyler, remind me to edit this out. No dice. Or not. We could just, yeah, we just leave this part in. People people that know how this fun. stuff works. Yeah. So um, um but I also don't want to talk about any anthology or omnibus or portmanteau films without without Aaron here. It's true, yes. Um I think I'll have to yeah. Uh I will mention just uh that uh Ballad of Buster Scruggs, I'm I'm pretty sure like those are very like the the girl who got rattled, I think I feel like that one is notably longer than all the other ones oh. uh within that film i never but, noticed uh, that and maybe it just i mean i liked it uh i don't mean to suggest when i say maybe it just felt longer i think you gotta um, let aaron in I did. I did okay yeah um but yeah okay. he's still connecting all right aaron so we've yeah. decided not to edit that out and tyler was talking about the battle the battle the ballad of buster scruggs yeah Okay. But that one, I, as I was saying, uh, I feel like the girl who got rattled was a long, the gal who got rattled, pardon me, was, uh, longer than the others. But anyway, uh, sorry, we can it move is. on. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, but that's a, that, that, that's a, that's a really good, uh, movie. I haven't watched it, uh, since it was, it, it was, it was new, but, um, that was one that, uh, r- reportedly like was conceived as a miniseries, hmm. I think. Uh, and then was cut down. That's been a little, little, it's been a little mixed on that one. Like the Coen say that now we are just making a movie and someone just ran with the thought that it was going to be a TV series at some point, maybe because it was an anthology. So they, maybe they just got, and it was streaming. So they got it like maybe confused that it was like, Oh, they're making a TV series or something. Or I I wonder, I I wonder if net, I wonder if Netflix tried to talk them into making it uh, a a series. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And Yeah. yeah, that, that, that would not, uh, would not surprise me but i think by bringing up the ballad of buster scruggs you've given us a place to start which is with movies that i refer to as anthologies single director movies because we already we're already there with we talked about small acts we mentioned the decalogue and the three colors these are all single directors um and i'm in in making my you know when 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 uh when aaron came with this idea uh, the all almost all of the movies that immediately popped into my head were horror movies. Horror really seems to have the market cornered on an, sure. an anthology movies, but most of those um, are different directors. Um, 
the the one I could think of in terms of horror that's all one director. Um, uh, or actually, there's two. But the the first one I thought of was Mario Bava's Black Sabbath. Um, and the second one, I forget the director's name, but I thought of Tales from the Hood. Rusty Cundiff. Rusty Cundiff. Yeah. Um, uh, both both of those are 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 great. Um, but I think uh, something will probably that'll come up a lot when we're talking about these movies is that there tend to be one or two that stand out in anthologies. And then the others are either if you're unlucky, they're really bad or they're just like forgettable where you're like, Oh yeah, I guess that one's in there too. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, I, the horror anthology uh, was something that I thought of, but none directed by the same people. When I thought of like, one like uh, a film that had only one director the first place i went was was not horror it was uh, coffee and cigarettes um oh yeah which is also something that he did oh that jim jarmish did over many years like he started out making just little short uh vignettes that didn't really have much to do with each other and then finally decided over time to like oh i'm gonna make several more of these put them together into one film uh, but yeah, so that's interesting because he didn't initially intend for it to, I mean, obviously everything is, is around coffee and cigarettes, except one that's based on tea. Um, but he didn't intend for it to, to have a, a, a recurring thing outside of that. But then once he decided to make it one movie, like everything that he wrote after that, he started to, he would actively reference, uh, lines from like, uh, one of the earlier films and sort of, he, he brought, he brought it all together. So like something that was not, that was never initially meant to be that. Uh, and so I find, I find it an interesting project and it always, it always worked for me. I always really like coffee and cigarettes. You bring up Jarmusch and like, he has a few anthology films. Yeah, I, I mean, guess that's true. Night on yeah. earth and mystery trainer and anthology yeah. movies. They're, they're connected more directly, but they're certainly, you know, they're all Jarmusch. Yeah, I, I guess I don't think of Mystery Train as one because some of those characters interact. But yeah, Night on Earth absolutely is. Night on Earth for sure. Mystery Train, yes, I know. I understand it's a little bit more of a reach, but it's trying to. It is telling distinct stories within the, like a very com- clear framework. Obviously, yes, yeah. Uh, as far as horror goes, I mean the 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 when I think of horror anthologies, the, the like the granddaddy of them I think is Creep Show, which is all George Romero. Uh, and you know, I've never seen Creep Show. Oh, <laughs> it's it's well, Creepshow's wonderful, and uh, one, you know, you talk about comic book movies. People tend to, don't think about Creepshow very often, but it's a great comic book movie as well. Uh, Creepshow Two is also all one director, Michael Gornick, I believe. Um, huh. And you know, it's interesting, Creepshow, which is just like, why don't we do something? And they did. <laughs> I've I've never seen all of Creepshow. I've seen certain films within it you know uh i saw the crate Mm -hmm. uh and then i think i saw um the lonesome death of jordy verrill um yeah but starring uh, stephen king in in, in an amazing performance (laughs) yeah that's a it's a weird performance i can't (laughs) say it's strictly i can't say it's bad but i can't say it's good either he goes for it he does. He goes for it's it. Vi- for I'll a say man it's that's very committed. Not an actor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and so it's. I do think that that's 
one thing that uh, that one can run across when talking about these types of movies is that it's it is possible for people when they re if they go back and revisit to watch just one of the films within it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Like the other day I was, uh, the other day, it was like a year ago, but um, I was in the mood to watch The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, like that short film, that film specifically. And so I watched it and so many people commented that like, oh, I love it. It's my favorite one. And it's, it's and it's not my favorite of that bunch, but I, I had just watched some I interview. I think it's with... my least favorite, actually. Which one? Uh, uh, the Gosh, first, the, to... the ballad of Buster Scruggs. I think it's my least favorite because you know. Uh, oh, you mean the first one in yeah. the actual yeah. ballad of yeah. Buster yeah. Scruggs? It's, okay. uh, it's too violent. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, and and so many. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's. It's my favorite, but I was just kind of in the mood to watch it, and but so many people. Some people said like, "Oh, it's my favorite one." I think one or two people mentioned like, "I haven't seen the others." are they worth watching? And so, uh, and similarly, this is a different, uh, this is uh, not like all the same director, but um, with uh, New York stories, I've only seen one of them because it was shown to me by a, a, a film professor, but we didn't watch the whole film. So I'm assuming I think, it's life lessons. Is of, the course, seen. of course. That's, Which is that's, a fantastic movie. <laughs> definitely yeah, the, 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 the standout uh, yeah. there. Um, uh, yeah. Sorry. I cut you off. But I do think that it's 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 something that could be seen as maybe a little bit unfortunate when talking about whether they be anthology or omnibus films, uh, that they're so they're so separated that it's possible for somebody to, especially on the Internet, to watch just one and neglect all the others. I, I don't think that's necessarily un, unfortunate, though, I guess, um, especially in a I guess I in do. a situation where if it was actually conceived as an anthology, but really, I mean, a lot of times what we're just watching are, are short films. And I think it's sure. okay for them to stand on, on their own. Well, I mean, I don't think it's obviously it's possible as far as you have the ability to watch. Here. And at this point it's like, well, you want to if you want to take that like extreme directions like why don't you just watch the action scene in a movie and then not care about it i mean like i feel like a director's made it if, especially when it's one director they made the if you want to go buster scruggs they made all of those shorts and i i feel like there's by the time you get to the end of it i do think there is a not necessarily a through line narratively but i think thematically it is trying to do something and i think oh, the yeah. experience is more rewarding because you watch the whole movie, which is something I don't feel like I should have to say. Watch the whole movie. Yes, there's a difference between a movie that's a regular narrative that's one story versus six different stories being combined. But yeah. the intention was there to make a thing that you can experience as a whole, as opposed to I made, you know, episodes or something. Um one that we already mentioned. Uh, yeah. well, well, one that we already mentioned that I think is definitely designed to be watched as a whole is Tales from the Hood, because uh, which, by the way, is a portmanteau film because of the Clarence Williams the uh, Third is the more the Undertaker and each of the dead bodies is like he's like saying and here's what happened to here's how this person died and that's like how you get into uh, each each story. But it does seem like there's like kind of like in the way a band puts together an album, there's an intentional sequencing to the stories in, in tales mm -hmm. from the hood in terms of like, they're, they're all very consciously 
about uh, the horror metaphors for dangers and threats in the black community, but you see the, the, where the threat comes from shifts each, each, each time. Um, and I think that they're put in the order they are very intentionally. I'm not trying to pick you apart, but I mean, all of every short film has an intention on their sequencing. Yes, obviously this one's very deliberate. I, but well, I, you're I, saying I mean, every anthology no, has an intention in this sequencing? I don't think a director randomly says, you know, what would be good right here. This one, eh, I don't know, maybe that one. Like I do th- I think they've actually thought this through. As far, like, right? But I guess <laughs> what I'm still. But do you think? I like think I feel like coffee and cigarettes. I think there's a reason why Jarmusch put the shorts in the order that he was. But there's there. But what I'm saying about Rusty Cundiff is I, and this is all speculation. I don't know, but I feel like he, sure. from conception, like conceived these. Whereas Jim Jarmusch, we know he was making uh, these coffee and cigarette shorts. Yes, when it came time to put the movie out, he put them in an intentional order. But the way that Tales from the Hood unfolds, it feels like Rusty Cundiff because that film that film has an actual like narrative that just happens to feature short stories within that narrative so yeah, yeah. and yes in the writing process of that um, yeah that, that i i i can i can go with that yes speaking on that <laughs> one for a bit speak, speak, speaking on that one for a bit real quick I, I i've been watching a bunch of anthologies obviously for this but also horror anthologies in particular just because there's a lot of them and it's fun to watch horror anthologies and you know as a horror fan something i've picked up on with this one like watching these anthology movies specifically they don't tend to run with like ideas that are socially minded very much in the same way other like standard horror movies are when you think of i don't know like vietnam and texas chainsaw massacre what have you with the exception of tales from the hood which is obvious because it's dealing with black characters in the horror environments which is already puts it in a different sphere but and, and it's just so many things that people are going through where you have you know one involving police brutality obviously you have one involving a, a clan member essentially a former clan member running for office like there's things that are very clearly you know devoted to what it is for you know going over like black men in america black people in america where other horror anthologies they don't seem to like have that in mind there doesn't seem to be something like that's something i noticed i don't know if they knew you guys have Notice that with the other horror anthologies you might have seen, but as far as you know, having a kind of a another measure behind it, yeah, that's. A, I, that's... I saw one called Dead Time Stories. In fact, I saw two volumes of it, and uh, it was just so horrendous. Uh, Those not, are more recent, right? They are more recent. I mean, in the last ten years, I think. Yeah, um, I guess more recent than the ones we're talking about. But uh, and they're all. It's produced by George Romero, but he did. Did he direct any of them? No, uh, they would have been much better. I have no doubt. Um, <laughs> but he he acts. I don't even know if he produced it. He acts as the MC essentially. It just cuts back to him, and they clearly gave him. <laughs> they clearly gave him just sort of like generic things to say in between. Uh, and you know, he's not that great of an actor, George Romero. And so, uh, and it's all stuff where it's like, Oh, this film was not very good, but then it comes back to him. And he says, uh, there's a couple that I remember. One is if you've stopped screaming, I have another story to tell, uh, <laughs> which would work a lot better if the movies were not absolutely terrible. Uh, and then one, uh, it ends with like a thing. I think a character winds up uh, shooting himself and it cuts to, uh, 
George Romero and goes, well, that didn't turn out very well. And, it's, and that's clear. That's easily the best part of dead time stories. One and two is just George Romero, just sitting in a chair, just saying, saying these things that are written for him. But, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a really bad one. And I felt bad that, uh, you know, George Romero had to be a part of it. He didn't have to be, I'm sure he was getting some money to make another movie, but, uh, yeah. I have a review uh, of it somewhere. The only other so it just comes across. I just, it just comes across as like it just comes across as like I guess like the campfire store. A lot of the like horror anthologies compared mm-hmm. to something like Tales from the Hood, which you know, in addition to being entertaining, has like another agenda in mind. I just I just found that interesting as far as watching horror movies and knowing all you know most of them are tend to be informed by something where anthologies don't seem to have that preoccupation they just like you know we're just telling some stories and they're fun yeah um the only other horror one i could think of that's all that's all directed by the same director and i didn't even i'm glad i looked this up because i didn't even remember that it was uh is a movie from 1983 called nightmares and they're all directed by joseph Sargent. The taking the Pelham one, two, three is Joseph Sargent. Um, they have nothing whatsoever to do with one another, except for having like uh, a, a pretty good uh, uh, cast if, if, uh, if accidentally so, but um, uh, young Emilio Estevez plays a, uh, uh, at your starting point. Got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he, he's a kid who hangs out in an arcade and then gets like sucked into the arcade game or whatever. Um, uh, Lance Henriksen is a, a, a priest um, and uh, Veronica Cartwright is in the, definitely the, the last and least of the ones just a woman who's like plagued by a rat in her house. I don't know. It's not that, that, that great. Um, you've also got uh, Christina Raines is in the first one, which is called terror in Topanga, which is a, uh, uh, awesome, awesome name, more alliteration. Plus it's, yeah, it's a uh, you know LA County Topanga. Uh, obviously, it came out before Boy, Boy Meets World, where there was a character named Topanga. Uh, uh, oh, I, before? Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> I was hoping that she inspired it. But I I, I I don't know if well I guess Tyler, you're from Southern California, as you both mm-hmm. are. As someone who's not, when I grew when I came to Los Angeles, and I was like, hey, there's a canyon named after that character from Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway i I was more uh, or less like i didn't i i because this matters i i didn't know about can because i just didn't go to that part of la so by the time i found topanga can it's like oh all right that that adds up it's a pretty it's a pretty shady area i get it (laughs) um uh malibu (laughs) i've uh i've got i've got two more that are that are by the same director that I can think of. They're both, uh, um, Italian films from like the sixties and seventies. Um, there's, uh, the vanquished or Eventi, which is, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni, uh, collection of short films, mostly about teenagers. Uh, and then there's, uh, Pasolini's the Decameron, which is a bunch of short stories from the Decameron. So, uh, uh, there's, there's that era of like, 60s european uh cinema there are actually a number of omnibus and anthology films i haven't seen all of them but i've seen at least uh at least one other that will come up when we get to multi-director and or omnibus omnibuy if we're still on a omnibuy 
Yeah. As far as um, same director goes, uh, there's yeah. there's Woody Allen's Everything You Always Want to Know About Sex, but we're afraid to ask. Still um, never seen it. Title's too long. It's a long title. Uh, Gene, <laughs> start reading Gene Wilder has some fun in that one. Uh, I mean, I, like, how am I supposed um, to, like, uh, on my TV, like, I'm searching Hulu or whatever for, like, my thumbs are going to get tired, right? <laughs> oh, I, I like this guy. I like him a lot. I wish I hosted, no offense, I wish I hosted a podcast with that guy. Who <laughs> just gets gets worn out by weird things. Um, yeah, I actually there's haven't also, seen it either. Um, there's also Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. I forgot to put that on here. I've seen remember, that one I have seen. Fun, you remember fun. Nightmares, but not Dreams. Interesting. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because I have Nightmares on Blu-ray. And I don't have dream. I don't own dreams. Hmm. Fun, fun, fun thing about that one. Um, this is obviously later in the life of Akira Kurosawa. Is it his final movie? Dreams? I think so. Uh, no, his final film uh, was Metadeo. Okay, thank you. I know it's. I know it's one of it. It's, you know, it's, it's up. It's nineteen ninety. It's up there for him. Um, but most of Dreams, directed by him, he was. But he was up there. He and he had some health issues. And I know Ashira Honda, director of. Uh, Godzilla was a big uh, help for him on that film. Oh, I'm a big Godzilla fan. Listeners do not I know. So I, just I know that. Um, yeah, Dreams is is very cool um, and very uh, uh, memorably very colorful. Um, yes, especially in the Martin Scorsese as Vincent Van Gogh uh, uh, sequence. <laughs> but also, there's the um, the, like, the ghost... party was born to play. I believe is what yeah. they say about that one. There's like go. I, I haven't seen it since I was a teenager. But there's like ghost soldiers, right? Uh, isn't there a part with like yes. ghosts? Yeah, uh, it's pretty creepy. It's I, uh, I know Kira Kurosawa is not a horror director, and this isn't a horror anthology. But that part with the ghost soldiers is pretty creepy, as I recall. What else do we, is by one director? Do we have anything else by um, a single director? Sin City. I've never oh, seen. Yeah. It. Okay. Yeah, I guess that counts. I mean, the characters... They live in the same city, but it's still distinct stories being told within them. Yeah, that's true. Is there a crossover? I feel like there there is there, a little bit with, like, the bar. There's The bar is a central unit for, like, everybody okay. that can be located. But, I mean, they're not... They're still, you know, as they're telling these stories, they are distinctly their own stories, which is what yeah. the comic series was as well, the Frank Miller series. It's, it's yeah. a series of graphic novels that all exist within the same city um, but there are you know distinct stories from that are set within it that's so interesting uh because yeah you're absolutely right and yet somehow that film and i didn't see the second one but like that film feels so much more unified maybe because stylistically stylistically it it is uh but yeah but yeah it's you're you're absolutely right like it's just each one is is a different issue of the comic um huh yeah it never would have occurred to me that's interesting. Um, well done, Aaron. Thanks, Tyler. <laughs> Does I was on the fence about you, uh, <laughs> just in general, until this very moment. Does this one count? It's technically two directors, but working as a sort of a, 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 a team. Uh, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Is, the, is, the, is that an anthology film? I thought of it so, because yeah. it's like, I mean... They're skits, but they are like they're just really small stories, essentially yeah. that are being told. But I mean, yeah, I, I would consider it an anthology film. It's just it's because that one compared to like you know Brian or 
grail obviously it's you know those are narratives where this is just it's like a really long version of the show basically right yeah yeah so, but I mean, yeah, and it has some of the linking things like the show uh would do yeah. like i wish we get to the, uh, the probably is the mr creosote sketch the most famous one from meaning of life is that the one or is that just the one that i think of first that's which one which one mr, mr creosote uh the 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 big the big yeah, guy who explodes that's, that's the thing that's the thing i remember about that movie when i think of it so yeah i would say so but that i think I of find that the, i think of find the fish now like that's, oh, that's that's where funny. my mind goes um but i forget mr creosote leads directly into is it i can't remember who is it uh which one i can't remember which one it is who's the He's the waiter at the restaurant. Oh, it's Eric Idle. That's Eric Idle. Yeah, and he that, like leads you through the town and then yells at you. That's one of my, that's low key. One of my favorite sketches. In, I still yeah, think that like thing. counts. It's like, yeah. Cause it's not, a, it's not like a hyperlink movie. It's not trying to tell like, you know, right. it's still like they're distinct right. stories that yes, they share the same, you know, there's good segues basically is the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah. Like, like Mr. Show used to do. Sure. Oh yeah. Or, or like the state would sometimes do as well. Um, while we're on the t- subject of comedies, I didn't have this one written down, but I'm reminded of a uh, Kentucky fried movie. Those are like yeah. all, oh, that's sure. all John Landis, right? Yes, I believe so. I think, yeah, yeah. it's no, it's, um, mm. Did the Zuckers do any of them. I know they're involved. Okay. I'm looking it up. I thought, yeah, I thought They've they got, were involved. The Zuckers have writing credits, but I Joe La- John Landis has the only, that's a yeah, it's, it's, so, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They wrote it. He directed it. Uh, the ten, as far as comedies go. Oh yeah, David Wayne. That's right. The ten, which is a, a perfect example of sometimes the shorts are good, sometimes they're bad because there's some that are really funny, and there's others that are just like, all right, you, you got through that one. Wow, there are a lot more of these than I than I thought. Like uh, ones directed by the the same guy. Uh, sorry, same director doesn't have you, to be a guy. You point that out because it, your timing is impeccable. Because I was going to bring up certain women. Watch out. <laughs> oh, how did I forget a movie that I love? Weirdly, I had, I, I guess I'm lumping these together because of female directors. I had Personal Velocity on my list. All films by Rebecca Miller and somehow didn't think of Certain Women, a movie that I uh, absolutely adore. Anyway, it's go a, ahead and talk it's about a real, it's, a really, it's a really good one. <laughs> I've seen it. I sang it at the one. When did it come out? Like 2015? 16. 16, because it was my first Sundance. That's how I remember. Oh, okay. I saw it later when it was being distributed. But no, I, uh, it's, uh, the, the Kelly Reichardt film, it's it's very good. You have you have some central performance. You have what? Um, uh, obviously, you have Christian Stewart and the other actress who's. Uh, Lily Gladstone? Know, Lily Gladstone, thank you. Yeah. Um, and the final one, which I think most degree is like the best one, but then you have Mich- Michelle Williams in the. The second one and the first one's uh, Dern. Uh, Lord Lord Dern and yeah. Jared Harris. Jared Harris, there it is. And also yeah. remember, James LeGrow is in the first two. Yeah, he shows up the very beginning of the Lord Dern one, and then is the husband in the in the Michelle Williams. Uh, and that's a one. that's a that's a neat one where you get three stories and then you get like an epilogue on each story after the fact too. That's right. Yeah. Like. Which is like that's nice. Like, so you have that. We're like, you get somebody in these anthology movies where like some of them just kind of end, and you're like, oh, I, I was really interested in those characters. This one's like, we'll give you a little bit of a cap at the end of these stories. Um, and those are all based on stories by the same, based on story by the same writer. I can't remember his or her name. Um, but uh, back to personal velocity. Also, Rebecca Miller. All, all three 
shorts in personal velocity directed by rebecca miller were based on short stories written by rebecca miller and are already published uh, in a volume called personal velocity like well, that worked out like it has there ever been, i'm trying to think of another movie where they where a short story collection is adapted like in, in its entirety uh, i remember tnt did a mini series of nightmares and dreamscapes but i yes. don't think they got all all the stories but like Te- i mean of technically frank miller is the co-director on sin cities so. that's right <laughs> that's a good one all right what else do we have that's single director are we moving on to multi-directors or Omnibuy. So here's a question I had for you guys as far as this topic goes, because it is a sing- it's a single set of three directors. Okay. Uh, but uh but Cloud Atlas, a, a movie David David, you're a big fan of. Now obviously they're interspersed, so it's not traditionally an anthology film in the same way that others that are just presenting short stories at a time, but they are six distinct stories. I think and, and from- within the book, right, they're they are separate to a degree, aren't they? Yeah, there's the first half of each, then the second half of each. So uh-huh. the the Tom Hanks true true one is the only one that exists the true, from beginning true. to end in the in the story, uh, because it it starts with the earliest, tells the first half, and then goes up from you know to the future, and then tells the second half of that one and goes back the other way. That's um, right. But I guess I wouldn't count it because, like we were talking about with other like individual segments, you can't just call up one of them on YouTube and 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 watch right. it so i don't oh, there's know a, there's a fan edit out there i'm sure i'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there is and i'm sure the music is very jarring because i have a, obviously I have a, composed to to bridge the i have a subject. giant asterisk next to this it was a one that i'm like this is definitely one of the anthology movies we're going to talk about but I, there's because there's a unique nature to it compared to other films that are doing something like that i think i thought that was something that could get get some you know some some talk time on this podcast episode there also is as i understand it you mentioned three directors working together and there's a bit of that, but didn't like Tom Tickford essentially did three of them and the Wachowskis did three of them with a little bit of overlap. Yeah. But it feels like it was a highly collaborative process. Right. Um, but again, we so, don't need to, you know, we don't need to rest 20 minutes on cloud Atlas. <laughs> I just want to put it out there. I could talk about cloud Atlas. I'm sure you can, but, uh, but Tyler's, I can see Tyler's eyebrows falling off of stress already about it. So. I enjoy cloud <laughs> Atlas. I don't enjoy it as much as David does, but I thought it, I really thought it was a good movie. Is it in the book? Uh, are we revealing what's in the book? Just, just all know. Oh, no, I know the answer. Just give oh. me a, give me a wink. Uh, yeah, we can, <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It's in there. I wrote the, I did the write up for There's an exclusive right there, guys. Exactly. (laughs) So if you want, you know, if you want a a couple pages on cloud Atlas, check out battleship pretension presents the 101 best movies of the 2010s. You listeners, you think you're getting all the goods with like Scott and I comes on here and here I am getting exclusives out of you guys on the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You really did drag it out of us. <laughs> That's that new earth perseverance that I've been hearing so much about. Yeah, I asked once and got it. It was it really worked. Um, so if we're moving on to multiple directors, sure. There, there's one I want to 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 talk about because we were talking earlier about varying lengths of shorts. There's one by multiple directors that is the opposite. Every short in this movie is exactly the same length down to the frame. Um, it's called 110901. Oh, okay. It's a 
series of short films sort of inspired by the September 11th attacks. And each one of them is 11 minutes, nine seconds and one frame long. Mm. Um, it's a they're, uh, what's that? And it's a comedy. <laughs> it's not that great to be honest. It's got some good stuff uh, in it. The Ken, Ken Loach makes essentially a documentary. Um, uh, Sean Penn directs one that is, garish it's terrible and it has ernest borgnine in it and then a lot of them i don't really like remember that well to 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 be honest uh but i saw this in the theater at the at the landmark in in chicago no one else even remembers this movie existed it's got some big names shohei Mamora did one and mira nair did one i don't remember it i see now yeah Oh yeah, uh, Inyare too. Uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Inyare too did did one that was uh, also kind of documentary-ish and was uh, very disturbing, as you might uh, imagine, given the the subject matter. Uh, Samira Makbalboff did one, and then there's some directors I don't really know their names, but uh, yeah, I, I brought up one that no one's ever somehow missed completely. I mean, it sounds, it, it sounds familiar now that you bring it up. And it's so interesting that like, that I forgot about it, like given how specific the, the, you know, premise is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, any t- any opportunity to see just a really bad Sean Penn film, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's so bad. Did I do like takes to the I, camera? I w- No, I w- I won't spoil it, obviously, for the listeners. If you, when we're done, remind me if you want to know what happens in the Sean Penn uh, uh, one. I will, I will tell you, but I don't want to say it for the listeners because it is, it would be a spoiler. Well, I'm glad you got that one out of the way first. Uh, (laughs) Okay, should we stick with non-horror? Because I mean, uh, like, so like I prepared for this watching a lot and a lot of it was horror. So I tried to move away from it because it was like, I'm having so much fun in this genre, but like, I need to watch some other movies outside of it. So there's a couple, I have a couple, if you don't mind, if I can. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my absolute favorite Disney movie is Fantasia. Yeah, um, that's sure. on my list too. And it's, uh, my, my, my list is arranged by, uh, by year. So like, I, I know where I have all this, but, um, Fantasia is wonderful. And yes, obviously it's a lot of different animation directors. Um, and I guess the, I guess you would call it, like, I guess you would call it an anthology. Like though it has like the conductor coming in, in between scenes and like sure. intro- introducing them. So I'm not sure where that like falls in David's line of what's an anthology film versus an omnibus. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's, I think if it is, uh, I guess an omnibus cause it's multiple, uh, directors. I, uh, love, I love Fantasia too. I loved it as a kid for some, I found the conductor's voice very like soothing. Yeah. It was it's, like early ASMR for me. It's, I mean, I, I mean, the movie's perfect in my eyes. I think and it's the kind of, it's in that first like five Disney movie era where they're just experimenting and going big and they're like these colossally expensive movies. People don't realize these movies were huge, huge, hugely expensive and basically didn't make money. Like the, like the after Snow White, like uh, what uh, Pinocchio and Fantasia were big, huge flops that did not help Disney whatsoever. And it's, and that's why they re-released those movies because they need to like get them to make money to get in the red uh, or the black, black or the red. 
regardless you want to be in the black you want to be in the yes. black yeah. yeah so it's but fantasia i think is just wonderful be um, like the experimentation aspect of it as far as doing a variety of different things uh, and using you know in just lacking any kind of sense of narrative just going completely dialogue free just using these classic classical tracks and then just finding unique ways to animate each of them and doing them differently uh, i i just find it an extraordinary experience i was so happy watching it the other day um because i haven't watched it in a while and it's just I mean, you're talking about the, condu- the conductor being soothing. The whole experience is just like, let me just relax to this right now. <laughs> Even when it gets intense with like, yeah, it does get intense. Alder Mountain or some of the other ones, like they're just, it's a, it. There's something so special. I mean, that's why these Disney movies are so you know they hold up in the way they do. There's just, it, it doesn't matter when they were made. Just the the amount of effort in that animation is very clear to recognize on screen. And spin. I, I think that's especially the case with those earlier ones where. There's there's nothing like that. <laughs> like there's nothing, and you don't get that again because you're not doing it that way. Well, anymore. we did get Fantasia again. Where do you rate Fantasia 2000? I like I so I watched that again too. I had oh, not okay. seen it since I saw it in theaters with my dad in '99. Yeah, that's the last time I saw it. So I watched it again, and uh, I at the time the things I remembered at the time. I mean, I remembered them pretty well as far as which ones were which. Like I remember Donald being like this Noah's Ark story. I remember using the, pomp and circumstance, which is like has yeah. been so. Mm-hmm. like tied to graduation ceremonies yeah. uh, that it, it's fun to see it used in a, in a different way. That's the one that sticks out to me too. From that, 20, that one, two years ago, that one and the whale one for whatever reason, like really mm. stuck out to me. Like it's just something, what's it called too? I wrote it down. Uh, the uh, pines of Rome. Um, it, so, something about like, it's a mix of, cause it's hand-drawn and computer animation that they're mixing that in there. And just this like weird story of these whales that like emerge from the water and now they're in the air, which is also being treated as water. And then there's the final bit of them like emerging in space. So something about that just really like stuck out to me at the time when I watched it, but then uh, Rhapsody in blue, um, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like, like the, I don't think Fantasia 2000 like quite fine. I don't know how to describe why it's not as good as Fantasia. Cause it's the same basic thing, but I mean, it's still, it's still very effective. It's still, and it's something that I do wish could have seen more from for, because they were planning to like keep doing, when they made Fantasia, they're like, we're going to keep doing this every year, which is an insane idea as far as we're going to get our animators <laughs> to just keep animating these things. It's going to be great. And we'll make our other stuff. But, uh, you know, if they did it again now, I'd be first in line. I'd be, it's so, why not give like, you know, people of all ages a chance to watch animated movies that are set to these like classical tracks and just discover things in a unique kind of way like that. So, well, uh, just got to hang on another um, 28 years. <laughs> yeah. we'll, get, we'll get another one, Fantasia 2050. Um, well, if we're sticking with, I guess, uh, my list is alphabetical, so mm-hmm. Fantasia was going to be next for me anyway. The one after that is uh, a movie called Far From Vietnam, which is uh, kind of fascinating uh, as, a, of a, as a depiction of the Western, like the European left and their vision of what was happening in Vietnam while it was going on, um, which is like uh, in, in, in some ways very, uh, very simplistic and maybe even condescending, um, but is also filled with fascinating filmmakers. Um, what year is this movie? Uh, 70 maybe let me see uh vietnam no 67 so early on early early on yeah um but it's uh 
you've got Anya Svarda and Claude Lelouch and Chris Marker and Alain René. So some of my favorite directors. Yeah. And you've got Jean-Luc Godard. And the reason I point him out is because <laughs> clearly the, the overall concept of this was this is a collective effort. Yes, we've got all these different directors, but we're not going to credit. Like, we're just going to list all the directors at the end. We're not going to credit any one to any one person but Jean-Luc Godard being Jean-Luc Godard was like nah fuck that I'm gonna put my name in the one that I directed so everyone knows which one is the Godard one uh it's a it's pretty fast I think uh, I watched it way back when we did our Anya Svarda uh profile with with Mariah um and thanks to Mariah last week for for joining us um and I'm pretty sure it was on Canopy I think that's where I watched it so if you have Canopy you could probably watch Far From Vietnam it's a really interesting uh, interesting movie but then sticking with the f's the one that i know tyler couldn't wait to talk about four rooms oh it it definitely came to mind um i i did not make uh, a list i was i just figured i'd wing it and you guys would probably fill in the many blanks i have uh yeah but this one did come to mind and it's I mean, I guess the same could be true of, of, you know, an anthology film, but yeah, they're not all winners. Uh, there's, there are what there's, there's four of them. And I think how, I like, how two would of you them. guess that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I guess, I guess they are all linked by one character, which is the Tim Roth character. Yeah. So I guess that's a portmanteau, but yeah, not important. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I, I liked two of them. Well, I think, yeah, the ones that people remember are obviously the Tarantino one. Have you seen sure. Four Rooms, Aaron? I have, and I'm pretty sure the consensus is very clear on it. It's yeah. there's two ones that are not good, and then there's the Robert Rodriguez one, which I think people generally call the best one, and then Tarantino has one that's entertaining enough. Like, yeah, that's... yeah, it's because it's essentially a remake of like a... Um, is it like an early... Is it a Roald Dahl story, or is it like a... I used to know this. Um, or I'm trying to, I, I, I feel like uh, it was a um, Outer yes. Limits episode, but was it was the Outer Limits episode based on a Roald Dahl story? Uh, Man from the South, adapted from Man from the South by Roald Dahl. Roald Roald Dahl, Dahl okay. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'm thinking just Outer Limits also did some version of this at some point. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, yeah, that one's memorable, and obviously, yeah, the Robert Rodriguez one is like dark farce, you know it's it's very uh uh gruesome in some ways but also very funny wait which one um, the the rodriguez one right rodriguez one is like as far as i remember it it's barely because it's just two kids stuck in a room basically like and with a dead body in the I mean, okay, yeah. well yeah i think and, you're saying gruesome like you know they're getting involved in some stuff like it's not like a bloody movie. It's just like, ah, uh, it's got a corpse, like a rotting corpse in it. And Tim Roth throws up all over himself. He throws up while screaming, which it's, has it's stayed it's with macabre. me. It's not like, <laughs> okay. All right. Let's I'm, say macabre. Like, I mean, like in the same year, like from dusk till dawn comes out, that movie could be gross. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I thought this, this body was now, uh, granted. I haven't this seen this movie in gross. maybe like 15 years. So maybe I'm not remembering certain details from it, but I, I, I don't distinctly remember it being like a, like a graphic movie. I, like his is fairly lighthearted by comparison to the other ones. I thought. Wow. Maybe that's the balance of it because there's a body. It's like, well, we can still make it fun. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, there's also the, the Alison Anders one uh, with the head that I remember because it has Madonna in it. And it's like a coven of witches are in one of the hotel witches. rooms. Yeah. And that one, at least I remember the other one. I always have to look up the Alexander yeah, Rockwell one. I can't remember it offhand right now. Uh, in which there's like, 
I mean, even looking it up, I'm not entirely. It's like a couple who like play like uh, they they rope the bell that's that okay bellboy yeah. into like their weird like is the this a playing is, thing? It's like yeah. is this a domestic violence uh, incident or is this part of their uh, role play? And uh, it's I guess it's uncomfortable, but it's not super uh, memorable except for the fact that uh, it's Jennifer Beals, right? I believe so. Or is she in the which one? I, I don't think it's in the which one. No, okay. she's in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we spent way too long on four rooms. But, yes. Um, uh, I watched it multiple times as a, as a kid or as a young, as a budding cinephile, I guess. Um, well, what else do you, do you guys have in terms of uh, multiple directors? Are we sticking with non-horror right now? Uh, well, I already brought up de- uh, dead time stories, so you know that that really uh, you uh, broke the seal on. Yeah. Um, well, we we haven't we talked we you mentioned New York stories, um, sure, and you mentioned life lessons, which is great mm-hmm. uh, uh, with uh, with with Nick Nolte. Um, but yeah, there's also a Woody Allen one that's like silly amus- high concept. It's amusing, but but the Coppola one is so like. I just I, so I just watched New York Stories. I'm very fresh on it, and it's it doesn't help that the Scorsese one is like, as I said, it's not just like a good short; it's like a really good Scorsese movie. So it's like, yeah. so the fact that Coppola is one in the middle is just like it's not just bad; it's made worse by how good the preceding one was. So it's like, oh, this is this is a lot to have to deal with. So like, at least the Woody Allen ones, like you know, there's some farce humor there and like a good setup for a thing that just kind of pays off. But but like that Coppola one in the middle is just like, this is the dregs right now. (laughs) We just got past this great Nolte one right here. I've, I've seen all of them, but I like Tyler. I've definitely watched life lessons on its own more than, more than once. So it's been a long time since I've seen the Coppola one. I remember it being very garish in terms of colors and like wide angle lenses and a lot of child actors. And it's it's just kind of obnoxious. It's like a weird precursor to Jack as far as like, I wanted to make a thing (laughs) with my kids. And like in the credits, it's like by Francis and Sophia, like it's just like, has that going kind of thing going on in it. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. I like, like they're in an office together. They're like, we're going to do all these things. And he's like, I got it. And he went back to his kids like, guys, guess what? We're going to make a movie. And <laughs> which is like, I guess, cute in its own way, as far as like Francis wants to be a fun dad. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but the movie is not really worthwhile. I'm trying um, to think if there's, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Tyler. Uh, yeah. And speaking of New York, I never saw in New York. I love you, but I did see Parisia Tem, yeah. which of course, like everything else, there there are eighteen films, and some are not great, and some I adore uh, so much so that I I actually bought the movie, uh, and I think it's. Let me take a look here. Yeah, and it's. I mean, some really notable directors here. Yeah, you've got Gus Van Sant, you've got Wal- Walter Sayas, uh, yeah, Cohen's uh, uh, Olivier Sayas. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron, um, Wes Craven, Tom, uh, Tom Tickver. Um, but I do think that, uh, I think that the, the one I like the most is the last one by Alexander yeah. Payne and starring yeah, yeah. Margot Martindale because it's funny, but it's also incredibly sweet. Um, and, and I saw this, I saw the film cause the whole thing is obviously, you know, a love letter to Paris and all these different things. And, 
the the films are all different formats in some cases different genres like there's one that's like a, a very uh, stylized vampire movie um but you know I, I, at this point i i have traveled to a lot of different countries and i often feel like uh you know an ugly american and just like i'm just so out of my element uh and here you have margot martindale who is totally out of her element and and she's playing kind of not not that she's dumb uh, or anything like that but uh she's, she's playing a tourist she's playing yeah just a full-on tourist right. but she's st- but it's like yeah just because she's that she can still love this place as much as anybody else in fact she loves it a great deal um and the fact that it's all done in in voiceover uh with her speaking french but clearly it's like f- speaking like uh very broken french it's it's so sweet and and there's a uh, there's a, a sadness to the character but also like yeah she may be lonely but she is taking this trip to paris by herself she's she's branching out and seeing something something new and something different and uh like the there are a lot of i like a lot of the films uh in it but that one really has stayed with me not only because it's the last film uh in the in the the uh, omnibus but uh but just because it's i found it so impactful that's one where i i really get curious how the sequencing gets um like established because you have yeah. so many different directors and i do think that's a great note to end on i think that's a, it's yeah. a perfect way to end that film that you know that collection of films but I, I wonder like where in that process are like is there like a big discussion about it is there a producer decide like i'm very curious like what that process is to like arrange yeah. 18 different movies together uh, yeah. speaking of the last one being the best this is kind of the opposite of new york stories which in the first one is clearly the best, but 1968 spirits of the dead is a, is a, is an anthology, a, a, a triptych, if you will, that is only remembered for the Fellini film at the, at the end, which is um, called Toby damn it uh, with, uh, with Terrence stamp. Um, mm-hmm. It's um, spirits of the dead are all based on short stories by Edgar Allan Poe, but aren't really horror. I guess the middle, the Louis Mal one is kind of horror, but the, the Roger Vadim one, uh, and the Louis Mal one are not, no one, no one cares. No one talks about them. It's it, the only reason people still ever talk about spirits of the dead is to talk about how good the, the Fellini one is. It's in the uh, criterion box set. Ah, I didn't know that. It, yeah. <laughs> they, they put it in there, but that was the, that was the other like European sixties one that I was, that I was going to mention. This is a, clearly a big thing. There's the, the other one that I haven't seen, um, that comes to mind is, is called the witches. It has nothing to do with, uh, Roald Dahl or, uh, Nicholas Rogue, or I guess, uh, Zemeckis, uh, uh, either. Oh, yeah. But, um, uh, I'm trying to, to, to find, cause I've never, Oh, maybe just witches, but it's got, um, uh, Vittoria De Sica, uh, Pasolini and Visconti are among the five uh, wow. directors, um, who made movies in the witches, witches, but I haven't seen that one. Just to backtrack real quick, I mean, you may, we mentioned Paris Time in New York, I Love You. It's like a whole franchise because there's there's, there's Rio, yeah. I Love You, Berlin, I Love You, and to what is it? Belisi, Belisi, I Love You. Uh, so it's like they really ran the gamut. Wow, <laughs> yeah, I've seen none of them. <laughs> yeah, is have you seen New York, I Love You, Aaron? I haven't. No. Okay. Not yeah, a I protest heard... either. It's just like, hey, I mean, it's just different stories. Like, oh, there's no reason I shouldn't watch this, I guess, but I just never. Yeah. 
I think, I think there's, there's the, I think what I heard about it is that like after a certain point, it gets a little bit too precious. I can, I can uh, see that because it's all love stories. And yes. Yeah. About that and, there. and within that, yeah, there's a tendency to sentimentalize something. Um, but it has Natalie Portman and Brett Ratner directing movies. So that probably went well. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Well, they can't all be winners, I guess. <laughs> um, the the last the last non horror one on my list personally, uh, speaking of Criterion, is Visions of Eight, which hey, is a hey. uh, uh, it's the nineteen seventy two uh, Munich Olympics, and it's eight different uh, directors each taking on a different uh, uh, aspect, or you know, I guess a different sport but not nece- necessarily um this is another one that i watched in preparation for one of our profile episodes and we did milos Forman like two years mm-hmm. ago or whatever and he does um whereas so many of these directors are focused on like like the feats of strength or just like the grandeur he does the shot put and makes it look as comical as possible <laughs> he seems to like has gone in his way not to take the the shot putters seriously or the little like the the men in sport coats who rush out into the field and place markers uh where the where the shot has has landed um but that one's got uh, a, a number of other directors including i can't remember his name the guy who made tokyo olympiad the he went from making a short about, uh, um, I guess he did Tokyo Olympiad first. What year is Tokyo Olympiad? I can't remember. Um, but uh, he made a three-hour, Kone Chikawa is his name. He made a three-hour movie about one uh, Olympic Games and then made a short film about a, a different one. So, uh, um, Claude Lelouch shows up again. So Claude Lelouch is clearly a veteran of these because he did one of the 11901 ones and um what was i just talking about that he did he uh uh far from vietnam he did he did one of those hmm. um, this used to be a uh oh yeah i forgot the other thing about um visions of eight is not only is it eight different directors doing eight different short films they also represent eight different countries hmm. um okay. so milos Forman is the is is czech obviously is, is friends uh arthur penn is the american john schlesinger is the the brit um, but visions of eight is, is really great. It's uh, pretty sure it's on the criterion channel. Um, and, uh, definitely worth watching. Do you have any more, do you have any more, uh, non horror ones? No, it's all, all I have left. Oh, I thought you were asking me. Sorry. I, I have a number of the, actually they're all animation. Um, oh, okay. The, there's the rare twofer, uh, the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Which uh, is pretty great. I have it on Blu-ray. I watched it not too long ago. Um, the the Ichabod Crane one, especially, like it has like it has a good atmosphere as far as like creating a sense of horror because it is you know it's the headless horseman story. Um, it it's really neat to like watch that and be like, yeah, Disney knows how to like you know get in there if they want to as far as giving kids something to think about beyond like how animated it is it's like oh yeah there's a mood here oh, there's some atmosphere narrated by bing crosby who does yes. it great mm-hmm. like so much better than you'd think yeah um, um speaking of twofers uh, mm-hmm. uh i didn't put this on the list but aaron did you see black bear from last year yes does that count as a, like i think there's too much dna between the between the two for it to truly truly count but I think there's more counts. going on i think than just two se- separate stories but it is on the surface the structure of the movie is that there are two separate stories 
Yeah, I mean, you could apply that to a number of films in that line. I think the interpretation of Black Bear, I think, comes down to it as well, as far as how you'd see that. But I, I see where you're coming from. Like, yeah, it's it's doing a thing in multiple ways. So it's yeah. like it can be seen as that. That's a that's a read. Um, all right, I, sorry. I inter- what are your other animated ones? That's fine. I, I don't discount it. Is all I'm saying. I think those are those are good thoughts there. Um, the other animated ones, the Animatrix. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Which, which, I mean, it, it's a collection of of anime shorts directed by premier anime directors at the time when the Matrix sequels were coming out. But it was, you know, it was. It's always been released as a collection, um, with the exception of what the the flight of the the final flight of the Osiris, I believe, which uh, was for which premiered uh, with um, what's the Steve the terrible Dreamcatcher? It premiered in front of Dreamcatcher. It's like if you're, yeah, if you're excited that. for the Matrix, get ready. We're gonna play a short film of from the the Animatrix in front of. Stephen King's Dreamcatcher to get you ramped up for it, but no, that's a. I mean, that's. I mean, especially if you're like a fan of the Matrix franchise, it's like, yeah, we got anime films that are all set in you know this universe, cool, and it has these great directors, including um, Shinichiro Watanabe, who did uh, Cowboy Bebop, and like mm. I mean, the director of uh, or the creators of um, what's that empty that, that MTV Liquid animation? Uh, and Fl- yeah, and Flux. Flux. Yeah, and Ooh, Flux. Wow. Yeah, there's there's one of the one of one of the uh, the creators of that series has one of the entries in there. Like, remember the Eon Flux movie? The Charlie's there. Yeah, that exists. Um, so, <laughs> just just barely though. Uh, how I, I you know, I've had the Animatrix on DVD for like 15 years, and I've never watched it. How oh. long? How long is it as a like? If yeah. I were to sit down and watch it, it's an hour and change. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not. Or no, wait, no, it's longer than that. I'm sorry, like just pulled it up. Uh, it's an hour forty. Um, oh, so like total yeah, normal feature length. Yeah, and but I mean regardless of your thoughts on the matrix as a whole, I think exploring that world is actually, and, and especially through an anime lens, I think is quite unique in the, the way they, because you have very stylistically different anime directors working on each of these different stories. There's a, dis, there's a very much distinct look to all of them, which I gives, gives it, I think a lot to, to work on as far, again, if you're a fan of that, you know, that kind of atmosphere, that kind of the, the story that they're telling within the matrix, like, yeah, all right. What are, what are other people doing that exist in this world where, the reality is not the reality. I think that these shorts were able to like explore that in uh, some really interesting ways. So the other, the last one was, um, what was it? It, it, um, Batman Gotham Knight, which is another series of tales that came out before the dark Knight arrived and it's released as a collection. And again, you have a number of different animation directors that are all telling a, telling different Bruce Wayne slash Batman stories um, that are, I just, they're worth Again, it's like, if you're a fan of this kind of thing, they're giving you a lot of that and presenting it in ways that you don't normally see, which I admire. And in short bursts, as opposed to here's a whole length film on this thing. Uh, I'm reminded uh, another, uh, non-horror one that i meant to bring up earlier uh amazon women on the moon is uh oh of course uh a bunch of different directors but uh anyway not important <laughs> just meant to, just wanted to bring it up because joe sure. dante did some of them and uh oh yeah, love, yeah. Love him. Joe dante was the main thing yeah yeah all right so that brings us to horror it seems yeah okay yeah yeah, I mean, uh, if we start alphabetically, we have to start with the ABCs of death. Sure. Uh, of which I only saw the first one. And uh, it's, uh, did I see two? God, it's been a long time. I can't remember it. <laughs> I mean, there are, re- there are some really good ones in the first one. There's some really bad ones. But I think 26 short films is, I like, I, I, I hate to be, I don't know, a... Uh, 
uh, what's what I'm looking for? A layman, you know, a, a lame normie here, but, uh, it's too much. <laughs> Too many movies. There's too, just too many movies in a row. I love how said like the, the general consensus is that yeah, there's a lot that just don't work. I mean, it's, it's like it's not like you're the only like if. And granted, yeah, not everyone's going to think every single one of these is great, but at the same time, it's not like the general consensus has been yeah, this is definitely a serious error. Else, we'd have more of these, you know, ABCs of Death Booth. There's only two of them that kind of stop. Yeah, but it is. I mean, they they arrange the movies we talked about earlier about sequencing this one is just arranged alphabetically yeah um and yet the first one is still one of the best ones not uh, nacho vigalanda's vigalanda's a for a is for apocalypse i think is what it's called mm-hmm. is uh one of the best ones certainly one of the ones my mind goes to when i think of this collection mm-hmm. um do you have any any faves from that first uh first one aaron <laughs> i there's some stop animation ones in there, aren't there? If I'm not mistaken, um, D is for deloused. There we go. Yeah. Okay. It's been a minute. And there's another one. I think, I think one, there's so. two. I think there is another stop stop motion, but I don't remember. I, I recall those leaving, you know, somewhat of an impact. But I, I'm just, it's hard for me to draw right now. <laughs> some of the exact details of a lot of them for a movie I haven't seen that recently. After watching, you know. <laughs> about 10 anthology movies in the past week so <laughs> trying to recall some of these shorts is a little taxing um uh hold on apparently there was an abc's of death two and a half is that like all the scenes that the jackass guys didn't want to show you in theaters <laughs> i think that's um, a good joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah huh i guess i guess people ABCs of Death was made for was com- comprised of like submissions as opposed to commissions submissions okay. and so ABCs of Death two and a half is another committee another submissions thing it's the ones that didn't make ABCs of Death two okay <laughs> didn't didn't make the cut so is it just thirteen letters or what is it <laughs> uh, I don't know it's only eighty five minutes whereas uh, how long is the first it's like a two hours it's like two hours and six minutes or something like that one hundred twenty four minutes yeah the first it's too, it's too long. <laughs> It's too many. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some gross ones in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on from ABCs of Death, then. Uh, well, there's one. I know, Tyler, you've seen it. Uh, Dead of Night, um, which is... Yes. Like, yes. I, think, I think the first horror anthology, or at least a very early one at first, 1945. I'm, I'm reluctant to consider it that though because there is a story that frame you know a framing story and people are telling stories within it that's a poor um, man that, toe <laughs> yeah that's so i guess toe. i guess it's that but it is i i saw it re- uh, fairly recently and i i really i really responded to it and i do like that each one has a different kind of a different tone some are creepier and some are more just uh, amusing uh yeah i really like it yeah, i watched it last week um and yeah very much so as far as the kind of tone of the, like charles Crichton does the um mm-hmm. like the most comedic one that said even that one has a kind of very moody moment where a guy just, oh, walks, yeah. just walks into the water and the camera just sits on him as he's doing it. and it's like there's some evocative imagery going on there but the what i you know i like that whole film it's very good but the last sketch sketch story yeah the one involving the ventriloquist dummy like that one in itself is already like inherently creepy to me just sure that kind of thing is creepy i think that i think i think you walk in knowing that like doll, ventriloquist dolls are just kind of inherently creepy but it does like 
it actually scared me. And not that, I guess not even that part. It's the wraparound towards the end where you have the main character, so to speak, of the framing device kind of going through all the stories to some degree. Yeah. And it gets back to the ventriloquist thing. And there's, there's just, it's maybe like seven seconds long, but it's like the dummy comes alive and what, and it's just so eerie how they shot it. Cause while there's like, there's a man, he's like in a jail and there's this dummy and he gets and the dummy gets up and he's walking towards the man. But in the background, you have like the, the jail, like door, you have like a bunch of faces all pressed into it, just staring at him. Yeah. And it was like the combination of things going on. There's like, this is the scariest thing I've seen in a while. And I love horror movies. I watch them all the time. Seeing something from 1945 that freaked me out a lot more than many of the ones I've seen just recently. I found that to be quite impressive. Yeah. It's really effective. Uh, and, and the note, yeah, the, the note that it ends on because yeah, horror and comedy often go together mm-hmm. very well. Uh, but to end on that note, instead of, like a lighter note, I think uh, is is well notable. It handled. I'm not gonna. I won't go too far into it, but like I do like how it handles that wraparound story. There are some. Yeah. There's an there's an there's an ambitious idea that they're doing there that I just don't think you have seen very often at that point in cinema. Right. At least, at least mainstream cinema. Yeah. But yeah, Dead Night. That's a great one. And I, I'll just say the Blu-ray for it has a wonderful like hour and 15 minute like documentary going, just go, just covering it too, which I think hmm. is, it's from Kino. I believe yeah, Kino is the releaser and it's, it's a, it's a worthwhile pickup for anyone that just you know, wants to check it out. Uh, I guess getting back into more modern uh, horror um, there's VHS and VHS too. There's also VHS viral, which I didn't see. I've seen viral. It's, uh, <laughs> but um the the entire series is worth existing for safe haven from vhs2 yes. uh, which <laughs> is uh, gareth edwin's uh, gareth sorry gareth evans or edward i always get them mixed up gareth evans gareth evans and uh, timo Gigento, yes uh uh team up that's uh, what I like, I think about uh, VHS two uh, especially is well, it's not as jittery as VHS overall. It's a, <laughs> the, the two is one. much better. I, I um, have a lot of problems with one, and it finds I think more interesting ways to use the found footage concept. These are all found footage movies. We should have said for those who don't know. Like even though I don't really like the Adam Wingard one in VHS two, the idea that it's like an ocular implant that you're actually seeing conceptually, I think it's quite cool. It is like, cool, but. It's, safe haven because it's a documentary crew going in to like a cult compound so they've got multiple cameras and the compound has security cameras everywhere so it's technically a found footage movie but there are so many different angles and so much editing and so many different cuts uh and safe haven is just it's just i'm gonna say it Aaron, I'm going to say a word that I hate. It's fucking bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I I was not ready for how good Safe Haven, the Safe Haven segment was going to be. So like I VHS, I think has one or two shorts that I like enjoy, but like my issue up it is beyond just being horror and it's already in a you know an extreme territory as far as genre goes and what you can see. It's a lot of it's very broy. I guess is the best way I can put it, and it's very yeah. I don't know rapey. There's a lot of like just misogynistic activity taking place that's just it just really is a turnoff and then two starts and the wingard one comes in and yes conceptually it's cool but it already kind of starts to bring you that same kind of feeling to an extent as far as things that are taking place so i was like okay so we're just gonna get more of this again but then yeah i safe haven the second one is with the third one 
Uh, I can't remember if the if the Look this up very easily. Too. Who's the Blair Witch guy? One of the two Blair Witch directors does one. Of, that Ed, might be Eduardo, the Sa- one. Eduardo Sanchez. I think. I think that's the, that's why I'm, that's what I'm confusing it with too. I think. Let me see. I can't. Yeah, I don't entirely remember. It is. Um, that's the second one. Ride in the Park. That's the second one. Yeah. So the third one, Safe It. And Ride in the Park is great too. I really like that concept also. It's a very unique yeah. take on the zombie movie. Um, but Safe Haven, I had like I want, and that it's a good like 20 minutes, right? It's like it's a it's a lengthy chunk of time. But the like the visceral thrill, and I'm knowing it's like the guy that directed the raid, and you have Timo who goes on to direct some other crazy action movies. I had to I had to stop it. I literally had to stop when it ended. When we got when we're going to the next one, I had to pause it and leave the room and go to the bathroom and just put water on my face. And I texted <laughs> I texted my co-host at the, my Abe from the from out now the podcast I host. I did, I texted him as like I am sweating right now because I just watched the second segment from the director of the raid in VHA or the third whatever in VHS two, and I just need to pause and take a break. It, it is such like it it's not only like intense it's a thrill ride as far as like what it's doing yeah you can't even yeah. talk about what it is but it's just like this crazy cult story basically it's, yeah yeah and i don't want to give too much yeah. too much away but um it yeah it uh, it really very, elevates uh a lot in that 20 minutes i'd say it's worth price of admission except i really like the re- beyond i mean the first one's fine but i think the rest of them are very good too the um ride in the park is the Eduardo Sanchez one well, know what's you know, I don't know. Some party summer party alien abduction. Uh that's from the director of Hubble with a shotgun. Um uh, they're, yeah. they're just I you're right as far as the way they explore how to use sound footage and what they can do with it, I think is just comes VHS two I really like. I think it really comes alive and is yeah. the potential of that franchise. Well I think we probably should have mentioned in VHS one, I guess the first VHS, the the radio silence one at the end, which I think yeah. is called ten thirty one ninety eight. Um it's good because those radio silence guys are just very like clever they are and, and that's that's yeah. the best one of those of that bunch it ends well in that regard yeah uh what else do, do we in terms in terms of and an, anthologies i think the the only other one no i have two more there's a uh a, a forgotten one from just a couple of years ago called, called nightmare cinema that mm. um i guess is a, a 2018 yeah i guess it's a portmanteau because the idea is there's lost sort of lost souls who are wandering the city stumble upon a movie theater that's showing something that the title speaks to them and they go in and the only ones there and they sit down and they watch essentially their nightmare on the screen and mickey rourke plays the projectionist but um uh, uh but joe dante did one of those as did mick garris and uh ryohei kitamura uh david slade uh did one that's mm. that's pretty uh scary and then uh um alejandro alejandro i don't know how to say his name brugas the guy who made one of the dead i think which i oh, haven't okay. seen um but uh he did one that is uh uh very blasphemous <laughs> that's kind of intentional <laughs> um david slade should be making more movies like that guy has a very great visual eye and it, i feel like he just got all that twilight money and is just like oh, i'll just do tv <laughs> yeah and what and his uh uh his, his entry um uh is one of the is definitely i think the creepiest one mm, not surprising um, <laughs> uh I'm trying to remember who the woman is in is in it i wanted to say it was M. Beth davis but i don't see her name on it maybe it's elizabeth reeser um this is not important <laughs> oh it's annabeth gish okay she's an M. Beth davis type i think uh, <laughs> uh yeah so nightmare nightmare cinema uh hit or miss it's one of the like M- mick garris is such like a 
Yeah. Like he's got his hand in all the horror and he uh-huh. seems to like a lot of good things become because of it. But then when he directs, it's usually not my favorite. And he, uh, he, he does like the, the, the weakest one, I think in, in nightmare cinema, which is like a kid who's, um, uh, been shot and is in the hospital and is like on the verge of, he's like in between, he's like in ghost state in between life and death and like wandering around and talking to other like people who are dead or nearly dead. Uh, anyway, and deciding whether or not to come back to life, I guess. Um, so I did want to, I've been, I was looking at a list of, of horror anthologies and I want to say, in 1986, there was something called Dead Time Stories. That is not the one I'm talking about. Uh, I am talking about, a, 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 I don't know if, if they were trying to relate their, their uh, films to this one, but uh, no, the ones I'm talking about came out in uh, like I mean, 2010, 2011. It's not the least obvious pun. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <You know? right. laughs> um, the, only, the last one on my list, and then I'll... Uh, shut up except i probably won't because i'm a windbag as we talked about um and i'm realizing now i didn't realize this until just now i looked it up these are all by the same director so we should have talked about it earlier uh tales from the dark side all yep. directed by the movie directed by john harrison so, yeah. um uh a movie that i saw fairly recently or by by recently i mean like since covid because i like all that time is just I don't know. Uh, it's all collapsed and it could have been yesterday or, or a year ago at this point, but, um, it's a portmanteau. Uh, that is also a portmanteau because you got Debbie Harry Mm -hmm. as like a witch type. Who's like preparing to slaughter and cook a boy that she's Matthew Lawrence. Uh, is, uh, Matthew, wait, who's Matthew Lawrence? He's the boy. He's the boy. She's trying to cook. But I mean, who is that of the Lawrence kids? (laughs) Oh, oh, Joey Lawrence. I, I didn't really, I, you know what? I, I didn't realize there were more Lawrences. There's like three of them. One yeah. directs. One, one just directed Money Plane starring yeah. his older brother. <laughs> starring um, both of them. Starring both, both of them. Yeah. So anyways, he, he's telling her the stories to keep her busy so she won't, you know, slice them open and throw them in the oven. Um, every, every time I have to, I look over a little bit is because I have another screen that I have information on. Money Plane did not need to look anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right in there. And it's not going anywhere. I want to, I have a story, too, about Tales of the Dark Side because uh, I watched it three days ago. But I, oh, really? I, I'm aware that there's a lot of like black cat stories like in horror. That's just like a thing. I had a distinct memory for the longest time that when I was young, one of the first horror movies I've seen was a black cat story. And then I discovered tales from the dark side. And I was thinking, is this that black cat story? Because it's like, I know it's like an eighties, nineties movie. And so I watched it and sure enough. Yes. I had this distinct imagery of like this gangster or hitman who's stuck in the house trying to kill this black cat. And it's that movie. And it's way grosser than I remember because it has some crazy things that happened inside of it. It's so, aw- it's awesome though. It is. Because oh, it's that, awesome. The, the yeah, hitman I agree. Is David Johansson. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and the eccentric old man who hires him to kill this cursed cat is William Hickey. A man who was uh, born elderly. I'm convinced, yeah. I'm, I'm convinced he has Benjamin Button's disease. Uh, it just never progressed past the older part. Um, yeah, I think that one's the best one. But the, fir- the, um, the first one with Christian Slater and... Um, uh, Steve Julian Buscemi. Moore. Steve Buscemi and Julian and Ju- Moore. Julian Moore's first movie. Is, is oh, really? Yeah um is they're they're all pretty good i think the thing that stands it's, out to me i'm not sure set it's a solid set of films the last one i'm not sure who did the 
if it was a big name who did the makeup and monster effects but that's the thing that stands out to me about, about tales from the dark side is that the effects are really I, great like, i believe they're i believe it's k and b effects the last one's james remar it's a really good one too um, yeah and radon chong it, yeah radon chong, yeah um but yeah i don't want to give away how the david johansson one ends but speaking of like gross cool effects <laughs> yeah. it's uh, yeah it's really awesome <laughs> There's uh, two more as far as multiple directors um, go. One's Body Bags, which is uh, John Carpenter and Toby Hooper, uh, which I have not seen in forever, so I have very little to add to it. Um, but the other is, I mean, it's it's two films, but sneakily, it's five films. It's Grindhouse. Yeah, I, I did think of that. Um, I bef- Before we do, I did want to say uh, Trilogy of Terror uh-huh. is, a, is a well-known one for one of the films. I, I, uh, Karen Black is in all three, mm-hmm. but there is only one film that people ever talk about from that. And that's the one I think it's called Amelia. Uh, and it's just a woman in her apartment with a killer doll coming after her. And it's re- I've seen it and it's really effective. Um, but uh, but yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Grindhouse. Definitely. Uh, listeners know I'm not a big fan of it, but you know what? I think as time has gone on, I I kind of. Uh, you know, I, I have an appreciation for what they're, what they're trying to do to a certain extent. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I would say I kind of sort of enjoy it. Although I, yeah, with, with major reservations. I think it's just a lot. I get what they're going for. And I just think it's a lot of fun with what it is, but I mean, I, I do like that they, you know, for this model that we're talking about, where with this movie specifically, it's two movies. That's a double bill, but it has these three fake trailers inside of it or four. If you saw the Canadian version that has hope with a shotgun trailer, Um, but the, but it has, but it has, you know, there are, there are basically three short films within themselves right there because you, you have, you have Eli Roth and Rob Zombie and Edgar Wright all making their own, you know, original horror movie condensed to like a two minute trailer, which is, I think a very, that's a, I mean, you could argue that's the best part of Grindhouse as far as the amount of, work that goes into making a trailer for me that's not going to exist but still getting you know all your actors and everything and getting yeah. scoring it and doing like all the required things necessary to create this illusion i think that's decidedly clever and also just very entertaining like i feel like if you don't even if you don't like death proof or um planet terror i have to th- like I, I find it hard to believe that you can't sit and watch don't and not like have some kind of humor yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and even thanksgiving as far as the amount of extreme humor it's going for or werewolf (laughs) yeah i did see i saw grindhouse in the theater so i saw the whole the whole thing and uh, and i definitely by the end i was pretty exhausted by the whole affair but uh but my favorite part probably was those trailers yes i saw it came out it came well it came out famously came out easter weekend and bombed but it was also passover that weekend i came down from college for passover seder i was sick but I was still hellbent on going to see Grind, the new Robert Rodriguez Tarantino movie in theaters. So we went, and I, I, despite being not feeling the best, I had a blast doing it. So mission accomplished, I guess. Um, Indeed. And uh, I saw it just recently. I saw it with um, my lovely girlfriend. We saw it at the um, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. They did a they did a presentation to the uh, Grindhouse for the like their outdoor. Not, I'm guessing not that recently. It was 2015, I think. Yeah, there so you go. Not, not, not in the past year. Yeah. The other day, as I would say. <laughs> or 2016. I, got, I think it got rained out, too. So like it, it had to be rescheduled to see it another time when I have it. Anyway, that's enough of my stories. <laughs> 
Did we do it, guys? Is there anything I, else we wanted to talk about? I think we nailed it. Looking through there. my list here. Uh, In less than five hours, which is really something. <laughs> no, yeah, we could. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, nailed it. I, I mean, I made a list of my favorite segments for all the movies I watch. If you want to go through that? But. I don't want to go through the whole list, but uh, what are some that we haven't talked about that are that are standouts in terms of segments? Uh, in in coffee and cigarettes, mainly because of the title, but I love Jack shows Meg her Tesla coil, his test Tesla coil. I think that's just really funny. Sure, um, but I re- but I really love cousins question mark with Steve oh, Coogan yeah. and Alfred Molina. It's right, a riot yeah. uh, as far as the like. You have Alfred Molina calling Steve Coogan for a lunch, and he has no idea why. And Coogan plays basically the Coogan from the Trip movies at this point, where he's just completely you know arrogant and above it all it just does you know he's the he's number one everyone else comes second and alfred molina's super optimistic and happy and like wants to like yeah. steve coogan because he has a he has a story he has something he found out he has to tell him and so it just the way that the the power balance goes between dudes being sh- and then like there's a shift that occurs where suddenly coogan becomes more interested in the conversation it's just really funny and then that's followed up with um delirium uh bill murray the rizza and the jizza and it's like only Jarmusch could bring these guys together and make a wonderful little short film. <laughs> so, yeah, my uh, are... my wife and I still pronounce Bill Murray's name, Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can trust us, Bill Murray. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I I, I um, forgot that I mentioned I meant to when we talked way back uh, earlier when I was talking about uh, Mario Bob's Black Sabbath. I meant to point out uh, to to single out the final. I think it's called a drop of water or water trip strips or something like that but uh that one's really really great they're all, all three are pretty good but that one's uh very great i like the first one quite a bit the first one's very moody and spooky to be okay. that's the one with the, it's, the uh, telephone calls is that no it's the um that's the second one i think the uh yeah i think it's the second one in black so is the first uh, one the, like the period the period piece the older one with uh in black sabbath with uh why am I drawing a blank on on his name? Uh, a famous actor. Lugosi? Uh No, the other Lugosi? Karloff. 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 There we go. That was he's in the oh, the Karloff's the last piece. one. He's he's that's, that's the, last the last one. one. Oh, okay. Then yeah. I had him mixed up because I thought Drop of Water was the last one. Anyway, okay. Drop of Water is the first one. Then that's where. <laughs> okay. So that's the one that I like. Yes. Um, got it. Okay. Um, what do you want? Oh, um, in How's the Drip Blood? The cloak. Um, the last one in that, the last in, in that one, I like quite a bit. Um, uh, is that the one where it's like an actor of, who plays like? Yeah, it's an actor who's who's playing Dracula. It's uh, a right. um one of the Doctor Who's. Um, oh right, yeah. But um, yeah, House of Trip Blood has a great cast too because it's like uh, yeah, it's, it's Cushing, Cushing and, uh, um, Denim Elliott, and um, uh, who's the Christopher Lee, of course. Christopher <laughs> Lee, but who's the other? Uh, um, the like Scandinavian guy, Ackland, Jonas Ackland, is that his name? Offhand, mm, maybe. He's in Lethal Weapon Two. He's got. Oh, okay, yeah. Did Josh, Josh, Josh Ackland. Josh Ackland, that's yeah. his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to single that one. I feel like there was another. Did you have any other segments you wanted to single out? I feel like there's one more I meant to uh, I'm say. I'm just throwing them out there. I mean, Night at, <laughs> Night on Boulder Mountain uh, from Fantasia is. I yeah. just I really enjoy. Speaking of Bella Lugosi, he's the model of the. Of, of the uh, oh, the demon. <laughs> I forgot the mountain. Um, 
we briefly did talk about Night on Earth, but the Roberto Benigni segment is uh, so great. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's, although I do like the one with uh, Armin Mueller. So I, I enjoy the whole. The yeah, whole they're, all, movie. they're all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah no, just to, uh, like, to look, I, I, guess, I guess I already. Yeah. What I like about the Roberto Benigni is that because I am the age I am, I came to knowing who Roberto Benigni was because of Life is Beautiful, a movie that yeah. even as a teenager, I despised. I've always hated that movie. And I hate that like his uh, insufferably saccharine schmaltzy uh performance and that was that was his persona to me and so to then come to later come to him his jim jarmish movies um in which he's way he seems like way more of a live wire uh and and, and way more of a dangerous uh uh performer in 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 down by law and in and in night on earth uh was a bit of a revelation for me sure I, I had a bad i never saw pinocchio but i just i had a reflexively bad association which, which with Pinocchio. Benigni. He's made two Pinocchios now. Is that true? Yeah, he made the one that he directed, and then the one just this year. Oh, he a Pinocchio movie, which they, uh, which is supposed to be good. Is it because when I, uh, w- this is like behind the scenes stuff. When I asked for a screener, they were like, "Oh, we're not giving screeners to this movie." So it felt like they didn't have confidence in it. They just don't like me. <laughs> They're like, "This guy's got it out for Benini." <laughs> That's probably what it is. Yeah, I forgot he was in that because that's a Matteo Garona movie. Yeah, it's not. He didn't direct this Pinocchio movie, but he's like, I got another stab Pinocchio. Let's do this, guys. (laughs) Now I'm old enough to be the Geppetto. We Jarmusch needs to get back with Bonini. I'm surprised he hasn't. Honestly, I'm surprised he's not in the Dead Don't Die. Like, where is he in there? Like, it seems like yeah, seems like prime territory for a random Italian to show up in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe because Jarmusch is still cool and Benino's Benini's become the you know Italian Robin Williams and uh what what a perfect opportunity for him to get back on track <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you know what let's call up john in, in limits of control too would i assume this is next project <laughs> we can move away from isaac Tavara and get to get back to the movie he could be the new hitman uh all right did now now we did it right <laughs> we did, yes we covered the ground here all right so uh you can find us at battleshippretension.com uh this week at battleshippretension.com I'm so far behind and we're also recording earlier in the week than usual. So I should have reviewed cherry crisis and the father. Um, so there should be reviews of all those, uh, at battleshipretention.com right now. We'll find out. This is like me d- sure. doing the bill and Ted, like we'll put the keys under the hat or whatever. They will see if this Except actually they're sure about it. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're sure that it happens. So that's the difference. You, you lack a lot of confidence right now. Yeah. <laughs> But you should be able to find those reviews at battleshippretension.com. You can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at davypretension. Follow Tyler at tylerpretension. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything to plug? Uh, No, not right now. Aaron, where can people find you, supposing you want them to? Uh, yeah, people can find me. I, I have lots of places to be found. I host a podcast called Out Now with Aaron and Abe. My friend Abe and I discuss the weekly movie releases. We also do commentary tracks every month. Right now, we are doing a series of Hannibal Lecter commentaries. So every the first five months of this year, we're talking every single Hannibal Lecter film for a commentary track. We just did Silence of the Lambs, which is a lot of fun. Um, and what else? I write for WeLiveEntertainment.com. You can find all my movie reviews there. My personal blog is CodeZeke.com. I write blue reviews and criterion reviews mainly at wise Also, 
at the time of this recording tomorrow i'm gonna to be a part of a panel for film independent to talk about film criticism um which i'm quite excited about so by the time this recording comes out it should probably be available on youtube somewhere so film Inde- film Inde- film independence coffee talks series i guess is the 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 place to find where that is and i'm on twitter uh, at aaron's ps4 i will i will say you said a five-part Hannibal series and I I had f- completely forgotten Hannibal Rising. I had forgotten that that movie existed. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw it. We It's it's a movie I've seen once and I'm going to have to watch again before I do a commentary direct so I'm going to about to double my uh, intake on the Hannibal Rising this year. From the director of Girl with a Pearl Earring. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. <laughs> well, thank you Aaron for joining us. Thanks for having. Uh, thanks for humoring me. I you hadn't done movie anthologies, but uh, I was excited to talk about it. Yeah, it was a fun topic. I'm glad I'd seen a bunch of them. Uh, yeah. th- thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.